Elise Mason here with Jamie King for the last activist episode of 2020. Thank you so much for being here with us all year. We've really enjoyed sharing this space with you and learning from you and hearing your feedback about some of the incredible guests we've been able to have on this program. For our last episode of the year, we are bringing on the rest of our team. So Nikki and Ruby are joining me and Jamie for a complain fest. Basically, we're going to bitch about 2020. Now, this episode came about because we listened to an episode of That's Not On Brand, one of our favorite podcasts, uh, where Brene shared her pet peeves. And it was so satisfying to listen to that we immediately wanted to do it ourselves. So we did an episode of Shiny Objects, which you should also listen to, where Jamie and I bitch. And then we thought we'd bring the whole team together to just talk about what we'd like to leave behind in 2020. So there are quite a few things that we would like to leave behind. But this episode also took a surprising turn in that we actually end up sharing a lot of the things that we're grateful for 2020 for. And I don't mean this in a hashtag gratitude kind of way, but in a way that this very challenging and tumultuous year has really forced us to clarify, to focus, and to let go. So I hope you'll give it a listen. And again, thank you for being here and Happy New Year. Hi, everybody. This is a super fun, very special episode today because we have a pretty full house in here. So hi, 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 hi. There's three highs because there's three more of you. And this is Jamie, by the way. So I'm wondering, hi, 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 Elise, Ruby, and Nick, (laughs) because we're so close to the end of this year, I would like to know what is the one silver lining of this strange and tumultuous year that we've just had for each of you? Ready, set, go. Fine, I'll start. (laughs) I think the biggest silver lining... I'm going to give you two because that's how I roll because I can never just, you know, be succinct. But my first one is honestly, I think learning to adapt to and learning to love my home practice has been a huge silver lining. I have learned to really love it. And I have actually found that there are so many benefits to being able to move at home. One in which is having my son watch me do it and sometimes do it with me. And my second silver lining is that this holiday, I don't really have to put on pants. I think one of the things that I have seen this year or that has been my silver lining is just having more time to notice things because we're in a place of stillness or, you know, we're stuck at home. And I think that what I've noticed is really subtle changes in nature as we shift seasons I notice um, things and people that are for me or not for me and everything in between I think it's just been a time for notice and reflection and we don't always make time for that so that's my silver lining just realizing the importance of noticing of being still for a moment and giving ourselves the time to to enjoy it has been so beautiful. 
I feel so silly saying this because I know that this year was a really bad year for a lot of people and not to say that there haven't been really hard things about this year for myself as well, but there were so many silver linings (laughs) and my boyfriend has said before and will probably say again before the end of the year, but he often says that COVID was, is a really bad time for a lot of people, but it's been an oddly good time for us. So my biggest silver lining, I think, was the opportunity to spend some time traveling in a very COVID safe way, obviously, because work from home before the pandemic, but thanks to just pandemic flexibility and also an awesome team, I was able to camp for three months this year and spend a ton of time outside and exploring different parts of the country, not interacting with other people in those different parts of the country, but both my partner and I, because he was working from home too, got the opportunity to do that. And that was just huge. And I know it had its risks and I'm so grateful to the internet for not blowing me up, but I'm really glad that it was able to happen. And I don't think I would have changed a thing in retrospect. Yeah. That is an awesome silver lining. Amazing silver lining. Very magical <laughs> adventure. Super magical. I just, I love the road. I love camping. Love being outside. All of it. <laughs> so I'm going to do two silver linings. Probably the most obvious one is getting to practice with flex and flow from afar. In a lot of ways, I think the Zoom life has opened up so many opportunities to be in so many places. And I've really appreciated that. And that self-promo shout out aside, I think this year has really been a catalyst for getting us out of our comfort zone in a lot of ways. And by us, I mean my family. We've done so much exploring of new places in the great outdoors that we probably wouldn't have stretched ourselves as far in previous times, just because we have trails around town that we know we like and we enjoy. And trying to escape crowds has meant that we've explored farther afield and have tried out more new things than I think we would when we're in our normal routine. The rewards have been really nice, just in terms of getting to know our broader area better than we did before. I love that. I was going to say, damn, you too. (laughs) You're just crushing with silver linings. Mine was about no pants. (laughs) also a good thing wish that the no pants and the outside could be more (laughs) sync but unfortunately that bridge has not not been crossed unfortunately and probably you just need different climate for that i'm not saying you have to go 100 full nudie bottoms but just no pants (laughs) full nudie bottom might be really uncomfortable bugs and i don't know whatever i don't know i don't want to think about it Chafing aside, (laughs) it's a good thing we started on this really positive and inspirational note because this episode is actually not that. We are basically all here to give a big fuck you to 2020 and basically unload pet peeves, major rants. It can be as petty or as serious as you want, but let's share some of the stuff that We are going to try and leave behind in 2020, knowing, of course, that when 2021 hits, a lot of our lives are going to be exactly the same. But (laughs) 
we can fantasize and think about what we'd like to leave behind this year. Yeah, so many things. Yeah. In my fantasy world, and I keep, I don't know if anyone else is now singing Mariah Carey in their head as Elise said fantasy. I was like, fantasy baby. Like whatever the rest of it is. I don't know, but I can't stop thinking about it. And she has her music video where she's in a pinup kind of style outfit on a car. And anyway, the end of that. But one of my fantasies is that cleaning my house would always happen when both parties are inspired. Because one of my biggest pet peeves is the fact that I feel like every time Casey, my husband, my partner, whatever, feels inspired to clean, it's the day that I feel exactly the opposite, where I just want to like melt into the couch during nap time and not be bothered. And then I feel like there's this weird like side eye sweeping happening around me. And I know it's not intentional, but it feels like this all out attack because I feel like I'm supposed to do something. And all I want to do is just sit there and scroll on my phone. And so I just wish for the love of God that when I feel like cleaning is when he feels like cleaning because I don't want to not share the responsibility, but I also don't want to do it when I don't want to do it. Oh, I completely understand that. It's so hard being on both sides because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's shame both ways. Oh, totally. I side eye him too and he's sitting on his ass and I'm cleaning. I, mm-hmm. I do it too. I'm But oh, it was happening to me the other day and I was just like, and also parenting, like he's being a better parent in a moment or something and I'm like fuck you I just want to like turn the tv on and not be a good parent because I am so tired or whatever so yeah that's a pet peeve that I don't think there's really any changing it but I've just really noticed it and I think the proximity all the time we get to spend together this year has really made it apparent that it drives me <laughs> and I feel like there's more opportunity the house is also just generally at least in my experience dirtier because people are there all the time living in it and eating in it and exercising in it and doing everything in our house and so the house cleaning just all of a sudden becomes way way more apparent (laughs) because it's all we have we're all relying on it with everything we've got and then it just can't get its self together and it is not good (laughs) can you imagine if this all happened in 2004 Oh, it just be, it would just be so different. Oh, wow. I thought about that one. What if there wasn't technology? I'm pissed about technology this year because it also failed me. But imagine if we had like flip phones or Nokia phones amongst all this. Razors! <laughs> my pink razor. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Can I just say along the lines of just the frustration of only being able to rely or having to rely on technology so much right now and having that be the thread that's holding us all together. That another pet peeve of mine in this current climate is people who are bad at digital manners. I mean, you can't translate being a kind and courteous person onto the internet. It's just driving me crazy. What kinds of sins are driving you crazy? It's hard because I grew up in the digital age, and I think that all of us here are pretty savvy as far as email communication goes. There's, I think that there's a, a naturalness to just translating what you want to say in real life into an email or a letter. I think punctuation goes a huge way, and I am definitely guilty of 
using exclamation points all the time. When you receive an email that's just all periods and it looks like somebody's scolding you, even if they're not, but you're just like, where's the exclamation point? Like, where's the, <laughs> you need a little bit of, of give and take a little, like little joy there. Mm-hmm. Where's the enthusiasm? Um, yeah. <laughs> I feel that. And I think it's because people, when they're on their phones, we forget that the same rules might apply. It's not a text message. And I'm mm-hmm. certainly guilty of doing shorthand emailing because I'm on my phone or I see a window when I have Colby, my son, on my hands. And I'm like, ooh, I could respond to that really fast. On the receiving end, I totally get that. Sometimes it just feels like somebody's attacking you and maybe that's not the intention. Um, yep. And so I do think a good email etiquette goes a long way in making people feel like you're communicating with them in a productive manner. <laughs> Yeah. Or I feel like we got an email recently that was all either run on sentences or no punctuation and terrible grammar. And I was like, how would I expect you or trust you to help us if you can't even communicate what you're doing? I was dumbfounded. And while we're on the subject of grammar, can I just put in a quibble with the thing that irritates me every holiday season, not just this one? When you are addressing your holiday cards or your gifts, there is no apostrophe in your last name. So if you're saying love the kings, for example, it's not apostrophe S. <laughs> oh God, did I do that? No. Oh, I'm just I, like, your last name. I was like, oh, <laughs> it's easier crap. Than mine. <laughs> oh crap. I like had a moment where I was like, wow, I'm fully embarrassed, called out. Um, I was like, I don't remember <laughs> no. writing that. And I even know that's not a thing. Oh, man. Yes, I understand that. Those possessive apostrophes, man. Sometimes they are so misused. Elise, I feel like there should be a section in your newsletter that's grammar pet peeve of the week or month that you've noticed. Because I would just love to see into that part of your brain because it is fascinating to me. And I love it. I do, too. I think that would be a bad thing for me. I would get really obsessive and really mean. (laughs) I would be encouraging my worst tendencies. (laughs) It sounds like great Twitter content, though. Like when she, and she wasn't mean, but this makes me laugh, is when just the other day I complimented her for how beautifully she says a word and how it never sounds the same out of my mouth. And then we discovered it's because I actually don't say it correctly. Um, (laughs) I feel like that should be in your newsletter because that's amazing. And the way you said it was so tender and sweet and just maybe it's because there's no X in the word. And I was like, oh. You're right. Is that recorded? Is that coming out? Yes. That'll be on Shiny Objects next week. Perfect. For for those of you listening, this same week. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Speaking of newsletters and email etiquettes and all of those kinds of things, ah, one of my major pet peeves or gripes is, okay, speaking of newsletters, um, there's a few newsletters that I just 100% love. And then there are these newsletters that I get that literally I just want to throw out a window and shake because they're all clickbait. And I'm so fascinated by how these things operate and like sponsorship dollars. Like how do they get them when you literally click on it and it's, you want an important tip, drink water. (laughs) And I feel, yeah, that's my email marketing pet peeve is if I'm going to click on something and it is completely unuseful to me, please do not send it to me. Do not tell me it's a fascinating tip on recovery and it's to drink water. Don't tell me that. 
Oh my gosh. I feel that way about every headline on wellandgood.com. I'm just going to call them out. They I, are that's the worst exactly at it. what I was talking about. So thank you for being so bold. <laughs> They've Notice- discovered just a million different ways to say that you need to drink water and get more sleep and should exercise occasionally. And that's the whole message, but they just say it so many different ways. <laughs> and they get like huge sponsors behind those things. Yeah. And I'm like, why? This is terrible. I clicked through and it literally told me to drink water and sleep. And I'm mad about it. <laughs> I know. And we keep clicking. That's my pet peeve. Why do I keep clicking? Gotcha. Oh. Why do I think that there will be some new nugget of information here? (laughs) I do it every time. I'm like, I am the sucker every time. That and, oh my God, oh God, this could go down a hole. But the the ads that I'm getting these days, it's like they're seeing into the deepest, darkest places of my soul where I'm like, I didn't even know that I was inspired by this or I wanted it or I think I need it but they get me and then I click on things and I have these impulse moments where I'm going to hit purchase on something and I have to, and I've had to exercise serious willpower with those stupid ads. And I'm like, I wasn't even searching for this, but somehow they knew that this deep, dark place in me was like thinking about it. Yeah. The ads are really scary with their specificity and they're so effective. Have you bought anything from an Instagram ad that, that really got you that you're super thrilled about? Yeah, I bought some, um, actually, they were jean shorts. I bought jean shorts earlier in the summer. I really needed new shorts. The ones I, were, I was wearing were really for a teenage girl. And I'm not a teenage girl as much as I would like to be. And I was just feeling like anytime I was out in public uh, and I would run into somebody from the studio or the community and I'd be like, mm, is this the best representation of myself right now? I'm not sure that it is. <laughs> And so I finally was like, I need to bite the bullet and get some jean shorts. And uh, Instagram knew, and it fed me a Madewell ad. And I clicked on it, and I gleefully bought myself some new jean shorts. And I love them. So thanks, Instagram. I haven't pulled the trigger on this, actually. So it doesn't really count. But I feel like I will eventually, so I can say it anyway. (laughs) But the Selk bags, which are sleeping bags with arms and legs, basically. Oh. Yes. Yes. I think it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. I actually don't even know if it was a served to me ad or if I was influenced um, by somebody, but. I think you were influenced by 2020, to be honest. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody is searching for a sleeping bag with legs and arms right now. (laughs) We just want to feel safe and and warm and secure. I was just this yesterday but I feel like weighted blankets which nobody ever talked about before or not in my world but all of a sudden I feel like weighted blankets just won 2020 like everybody I know has a weighted blanket all of a sudden I used to think those were only for dogs because they used to sell those for dogs for like thunder and lightning anxiety they were called thunder blankets I think I used to see I used to get ads for that all the time when I always was posting content of my dog yeah they're definitely having a moment right now I actually my Mom was just talking about them because she got her secret Santa person a weighted blanket as a present. And she was just like, you wouldn't believe it. All the stores are sold out of weighted blankets, like everyone I ask. And I was like, oh, they're having a moment. Wow. (laughs) Don't you wish you were that 
company right now, a weighted blanket company. Yeah, do? like the most anxiety-driven year. We all need a weighted blanket. That's a great gift idea, though. It really is. I didn't think about it. I was like, oh, that sounds lovely. Or it's this message like, oh, you're a little bit of an anxious woman. Here you go. You should take care of that. A weighted blanket. Yeah. Little high maintenance friend present. (laughs) I got you a weighted blanket and uh, also de stress tea. At that point, you might as well just throw some edibles in there. Let's get straight to the point. If you want to send me that as a gift, I'm down. (laughs) Yeah. I'm about it. Oh, speaking of edibles, this is a pet peeve that I didn't even know I had until you said that. Can I just say that seriously, if I get one more email from some CBD company that I've never heard of, from their affiliate, I'm going to have some really choice words for them. Are, how many exist and how many, and why do all of them have these like scammy sounding affiliate marketing? Oh my gosh. Affiliate marketing in general. Oh yeah. Yes. I can leave that way, way, way behind. I, I feel like that is old news. Can we not do that anymore? Yeah, I feel like CBD products are the new essential oils. <laughs> and I'm not here for it. Mm-hmm. I'm not either. And I like a good CBD gummy. I'm not against the CBD itself. I'm against the aggressive coming after me with your balm and your like whatever it's like anything under the sun I've gotten it I'm like I don't even know what this is I'm not going to use it CBD scalp scalp serum or whatever oh anyway. just wait you're going to start getting ads for it on Instagram they're listening they're Get listening right now and I'm going to click on it because that's what I do <laughs> <laughs> I have one that I feel like some of you here might resonate with this is one that I come back to a lot and it's mostly because I spend a lot of time hiking but I also feel like it's applicable for runners and walkers and movers of all kinds. But when you're hiking to a summit, the people who are coming down from the summit and totally unsolicited, unprompted tell you, you're almost there. (laughs) Uh, I know. And I know they're just trying to be nice, but I'm like, come on, you were also huffing and puffing right here 20 minutes ago. Don't act like you're on your high horse now because you're just walking downhill instead of uphill. <laughs> That's really funny. I do that. I, I definitely do that sometimes, especially like running up like something big. But I got really mad one time, like true story, when I was on a really big uphill section of the hardest hundred miler I've ever done. And I got really angry because this person, just somebody who was out there probably spectating for somebody, had hiked down part of the last little set of switchbacks. They had hiked some kind of a significant way down. And I had done this climb three other times. And I I had already counted the switchbacks because I do that. So I knew exactly where I was. And I was really struggling to just keep moving. And this person goes, oh my gosh, you're like so close. It's just a couple more. And I was like, no, it's not. No, it isn't. Don't lie to me. I was so mad. And I had to really reel myself in because I was like, I know that I'm not almost there. There's 12 more switchbacks left. And when you've been running for 80 something miles, you are not almost there. I was, I was pissed. So yeah, I totally understand that. I feel it. I feel it. Mm -hmm. Another thing I get really annoyed about on the trails is, and I, I won't generalize this to 
anywhere except for Forest Park in Portland is when sometimes I'm running and it's not necessarily up or downhill. It could just be like a rolling hill area and a group of other runners are running the opposite direction and just like go right through. There's no courtesy of like both of us moving to the side. It's I'm shifting to one side and I'm going to go ahead and say this. It's usually a group of men. Always. Like this is, I don't know if it's everywhere, but it's definitely in Forest Park. And I'm just like, why am I off the trail right now? And the five of you have just billowed through. And I yeah. without Matt. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, pre and during pandemic times. And I'm not expecting them to hold the door for me kind of situation, but, but just not even see you. And I'm just like, Whew. so when there is more courtesy in the trail from men, I'm like, my mouth just drops. It's a shock. Man um, chicken. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to play this game, but that's my frustration on the trails. I'm all about trail etiquette. And I totally also understand that it's something that's learned over time. And so Mm -hmm. this is directed at people that just don't spend that much time on trails. But I feel like those groups of men trail running through Forest Park, it's they're on, they know, you know, it's that they don't know the etiquette. They just choose not to observe it. (laughs) Oh, 100%. And I feel this way. Yeah, I feel that way in all outdoor activities here especially the male dominated ones, um, which is are a lot of them. And it's, yeah, it's super frustrating. And it's almost like this, it's almost like a localism feeling to me where I'm just like, you don't own this forest. Why do you treat it like this is your forest? Like you have control over everything. Mm-hmm. I feel that. Yep. So it's a real problem and it's not just here. I once was told I wasn't allowed to do a sunrise summit because it was owned by a group of men and our ladies weren't allowed to do it. And that was in the Bay Area. Elise was, Elise knows about that whole thing. So yeah, it happened and I, I continued doing it. I'm still so angry. And you even have it in writing. This person sent you an email with those instructions. Ew. <laughs> yep. It's a true thing as if they owned that summit ah so silly people are so silly yeah I think that in general that's a a gripe of mine is just I don't know finding ways to insert yourself into something in this high and mighty role or as if you own something I just I can do away with all of that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just want to be like this isn't yours just because you enjoy it or just because you might be good at it or whatever it goes with all activities like whatever, hiking, trail running, surfing, snowboarding. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, you don't own, you don't own any of this. And in fact, we're all borrowing it. So get off your high horse. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're better or worse than me. Like we all have access to this and this is for everybody. And I don't know. And there's room for mistakes and there's days where you're going to like do something silly yourself and have no etiquette and just, or I, the other day I made somebody tripped off the side of the trail it was totally my fault and and of course I apologized right away and those are the kinds of moments where it's just like more of that (laughs) just own it when it's your fault and (laughs) you've done something and it was because it was bad etiquette on your your side of things and then move on (laughs) stop yelling at people stop trying to take ownership of things and just let everybody enjoy the spaces and places yes yes to that Yes, to more of that. Yeah. This is not your sunrise summit. (laughs) You don't own this. Another thing I can really do without, and I would like to leave in 2020, 
is I don't know about you guys, but I have specific friends in my life where every time I'm on a Zoom with them, there's this weird need to show me or tell me how amazing their life is during COVID or glamorous even, or I don't know, these big plans that they have. And I just want to be like, <laughs> are you tone deaf or are we in a different world? Or do you hear yourself? I have all these questions in those moments. Why are you telling me this useless story that means nothing to me? And is it just for show? I, I, I want to do it. I just need to let go of that and those people that just in those moments where I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. And I wish I could just say that. This isn't relevant to me. One hundred percent. Yeah. I want you to share your lives with me. It's not that. It's just more of the showboating. Showboating is so annoying. I have friends like that, and it's so annoying, but also so blatantly an insecurity thing of, oh, they need that feeling of somebody being like, wow, that's so cool. <laughs> Even when it's just genuinely, yeah, your life is nice and cool. Yeah, I'm happy for you in these things that you get to do. But yeah, it's some, something about the way sometimes that showboating happens where it just feels like, why are you telling me this? Mm -hmm. I can't understand the point. Right. No one started a pissing contest yet. Here you are. Yeah. <laughs> On the other sort of life update end, one thing that I have been so irritated by this year, and I'm going to call myself out because I know I've participated in this behavior too, but people who complain about really stupid shit, like when the whole world's on fire. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Like, I don't care that you haven't been able to get your gel manicure for a number of months. Oh I just goodness. don't care. Yeah. And I don't want to hear about it on social media or anywhere else. Just don't be tone deaf. Don't complain about it right now. Oh, right. I feel yeah. that so hard. Me I too. see things and I'm just like, are you kidding me? I have so many choice words for that, but I, I keep them to myself. I've learned. <laughs> I've definitely been guilty of it, but I generally do it to my closer circle just so that we can have a vent session. But as for posting it to the internet, I'm like, nobody gives a shit and get over yourself. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> it's all about the audience. Yeah. Like yeah. I'll complain all day to you all that I just want to go into a sauna and that's not going to happen for maybe another year. But am I going to cry about it online? No. Yeah, exactly. It's stuff that you can share with your circle, but it's not something you should post for the whole world to see because then it just feels so tone deaf. And then it just makes you feel like as an outsider, like so crazy because you're like, please, really? That's what you're stressing about today? This has me thinking about there's been so much talk this year about what should influencers be talking about do they have to have a stance on every breaking issue of 2020 and frankly no I don't think that they do but I also think that sometimes you can just shut up and not say anything and nobody's gonna miss you and one of my things <laughs> is when influencers are like I'm so sorry guys that I haven't been that I've been a little quieter on here <laughs> yep, I hate it I didn't know this, that you weren't here until you just popped up saying you weren't here and nobody cared, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, Ruby, that is literally, I, I literally saw a post like that last night and I was like, and I didn't notice and didn't care. And I yeah. had the same reaction. That's so funny. I see those all the time and I'm always like, wow, good for you. Yeah. I just took a weekend off and I'm like, did we, were we expecting you to be a weekend on? 
I wasn't expecting anything from you. So that it's so vain to think that we care. Exactly. I feel like the question isn't should you have a stance on everything or not, but it's is your stance really important or should it be? Or are yeah. you just taking up space? Are you just taking yeah. up unnecessary space? And you should think about that. <laughs> and be quiet and sit down. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's a level of ego inflation on the internet that I could do without. Mm-hmm. Why are these people believing that they're so important and that their voice is a voice of truth that everyone should listen to. Yeah. (laughs) That could be its own episode because there are so many, I have so many rants like within that. I have another super petty, super household one. Yes. So I've been really wanting to watch the queen's gambit because everybody's watching and it's supposed to be really good, but it's a show that I have committed to watching with Casey. And I swear to you guys, Sometimes getting something started with him is so annoyingly hard. We can't start a show until he's in the mood to start that show. And then I end up waiting and waiting. And I just want to put it on my laptop, put my headphones on Mm -hmm. and watch it without him and not say a word about it. But I'm trying really hard not to. And so it's petty and it's about TV because, and then the other one also related to TV is then when I am watching a show with said headphones on my laptop and trying to just be in my own little bubble and he pops in and puts his head really close to the screen and starts asking me questions, what are you watching? Like, <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> I'm watching something that you're not watching! <laughs> oh, yes. And it's so petty and unfair, but it's just life right now. Sometimes I feel mad that he's breathing and I recognize not fair. I think that's fair. And I also think you should just watch the show because it's so good. (laughs) I want to watch it so badly. I started my other uh, guilty pleasure reality show without him in the season that came out. And then he found out because he saw me watching it on my laptop. And he was like, wow. I was like, I couldn't wait forever. I get that. (laughs) I get that. This This is something that happens all the time, but speaking of shows and pet peeves, I already told Jamie about this, but I was watching Trust with Andrew and which also really good show. And it's based on true events. So we're probably in the second or third episode of this mini series and he's on his phone and I can just tell he's like deep into reading something. And I was just like, what are you doing? And he was like, I'm just reading about the story, the actual story that happened. And I was like, so you're reading, you're finding out everything that's about to happen in the show. And we're, we're watching the show together. What's going to happen now? And he was like, yeah, but not really, because it's just based on true events. And I just want to know like the historical context. And I was like, but you're ruining the show because the ending. And I just lost (laughs) it. And it was also like felt really petty. But I was just like, first of all, are we having a moment here? just enjoying the show together and secondly you just skip to the ending basically and that makes me go nuts I feel that not that he ruined it for me or anything but the whole time I was just like but now you just know the ending what's the fucking point I feel that so hard (laughs) that is so funny Nikki because I that is a huge pet peeve of mine too and I never do it I really never I love just getting into the narrative flow of a show and even when it's based on real life trying not to know what the ending is but 
we started the first episode of Trust last night, my boyfriend Jason and I, and I did that exact thing. <laughs> last night, I took out my phone and was reading the story on Wikipedia during the episode. No, don't do no, that. No, Oh, that's oh! I would. I, I did not watch. I did not watch Trust with Casey. I totally binged it by myself. And every time he would ask me about it, I was like, "It's called Trust. It's about the Gettys. I don't have time. <laughs> I'm busy. In the moment, yeah. I. The thing that he'll do though, when we do watch shows together, is then he goes on this like, back finding mission. Mm-hmm. I feel like read articles about it or chat with his, you know, friends who have all these spicy details or something. And then he wants to relay all this information to me. And then I often find that that makes my opinion of it. It's almost trying to change my opinion of the show mm-hmm. or give me too many facts about it. Or if an episode is not well done or whatever, all the things I don't pay attention to normally. Interesting. And I'm like, I don't want these details. I don't That's want that. So funny. I just want to watch it blissfully maybe ignorantly. This is zone out time. This is not an investigative reporting thing for me. I don't need to know all of the inconsistencies. And that's just not that's just not how I enjoy TV. Yeah. Speaking of this just made me think of something that was a part of my past. And you all will be really happy to know that this does not exist in my life anymore. There was a good chunk of my life where every book that I would pick up, I would I would start reading it and then I would I would take a break and I would pick it back up and I would just read the last page every single <gasps> time. What? Just the last page. I know. I don't know what it was. I just had to read the last page of the book and then I would read the whole book. But sometimes the last page is not that significant and other times you're just like that some characters aren't there anymore or it's some kind of big ending. Oh and my gosh. For years, I don't know what to say. I know. <laughs> For years, I would do that. And I finally have given up that. <laughs> it's like a, it was almost like a tick, I feel like, where I was just like, I just have to look at the last page. I just have to do it. But that's long gone. But that this whole conversation is making me remember that I was a person that like, this would be a huge pet peeve for me now, if this person was in my life. I'm so fascinated by that. But also, like, <laughs> I feel inside my body like this intense, like it makes me feel really intense to know <laughs> that I'm like, please don't fast forward. You know? It's so ah. weird. And like sometimes the last page will be like a couple sentences if that's just how the book was printed. But it was only the last page. Even if the last page is just a couple sentences, you wouldn't be like, okay, the last two pages. Right. No, never. It was just the last page. <laughs> Gosh, that's fascinating. Yeah. I know. It's really strange. <laughs> I used to read the ends of books when I was a kid. I went through a phase, and Jamie, I think we did this at the same time, probably, but I was reading a lot of Goosebumps. And oh my Christmas God, break. yes. And mm-hmm. sometimes the suspense would be a little bit too much for me to handle. I think that's what was behind this. I would go and like read the ending, and then I would feel like, okay, I can handle the book because I know what to expect, so it's not as scary. Oh, I thought you were just going to say you fast forwarded to the sex scenes in them, because that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I would be like, ooh, I know where there's going to be a sex scene. So I would like <laughs> fast Wait, forward. Were there sex scenes in Goosebumps? Yeah. Like teenage. Remember R.L. Stein and all those teenage youth thriller sort of series? They always have these angsty makeouts or just 
I don't know, all the things that I wanted to read and I would skip ahead pages just to find those. Mm. The juice. <laughs> I think I like skipped over all of those books because they just didn't, they looked like, I don't know, s- slimy or something. Oh, they were oh, yeah. so satisfying. They're so great. <laughs> so satisfying, especially when you're like a hormonal, angsty teenager. Ah, <sighs> they were satisfying. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's been really irritating me. I haven't gone to many stores since the pandemic hit, but for a while when the cases weren't so high, I was going to the grocery store once a week. And there was one time waiting in line to check out that there were these three men behind me and they were all stereotypical small town Texas. Like they were all dressed in all camo gear, but not actual hunting gear. They were just wearing camo for fashion. They have American flags on their hats and they were wearing camo. And it was just this energy. You can feel that energy when there's three men, kind of big dudes that are making a statement about what they believe without having to say anything. And they were so close to me in line behind me. And they were wearing face coverings, but I think only because the store had signs everywhere saying you would be removed if you didn't have a face covering on. Pretty sure they don't wear them when they don't have to. And they were so close and I could just feel this like real intense bro energy. And I almost put down my basket and just left because I was like, on top of everything else, I can't handle this antagonistic, too close energy. And there's been a few moments this year where I've run into people like that. And I just feel like we can leave that behind. Can we all be respectful and try to take care of each other? Mm-hmm. Amen yeah. to that. Yeah. yeah. I feel that. I, I certainly. Yeah, I feel that. What kind of lid do you guys have on your water bottle? And I promise this is not sponsored. <laughs> I have a straw lid. Mm-hmm. Optimal. Green check mark. Thank Believe you. <laughs> straw for life. Green check mark. Ruby? I feel like the water bottle that I have right in front of me right now has a straw lid, but I do have a lot of now jeans with the screw top. Okay. Green check mark. <laughs> <laughs> I live and like breathe with my straw water bottle like by my side. It's, it, ever since I got it, I was like, why did I ever use anything else? Mm-hmm. And also my son really has not mastered drinking from other things and maybe he should, but he hasn't. And so straw water bottles are pretty clutch and pretty useful and practical. I have several Takea water bottles with straw lids. And my husband has one with the screw top on it, which is impossible for my kid to use. Like he just can't figure it out. And it ends up where we can't, we'd be like, oh, you can't have Dada's water. There's only two choices available. If we don't bring his water bottle, it's always mine. And I have a straw lid water bottle that I am like trying to give to Casey and he will not adopt it. And I think he does it on purpose because he knows that his water bottle is safe. And that is a huge pet peeve. Mine is always the one that has kid mouth on it, like food crumbs in it, like just not. And so I'm like, should I change my water bottle lid? But no, because hashtag good citizen, good mom. I don't know. How often do you guys clean your water bottles? And I feel like maybe. Oh, no. Oh. Might be different, but I never wash mine. 
But I can understand why somebody would feel like it was harder to wash a straw top. Yes. I don't wash mine enough. Uh, I certainly wash it more if Colby has had his mouth on it because that's always gross. But I don't wash it enough. I, I think Elise actually dishwashes hers. I think she washes hers. Good for I, you. I do. You know what? They say not dishwasher friendly, but I put them in the dishwasher. <laughs> and I'm pretty happy about it. I saw that in her house and I was like, whoa, my mind is blown. Your water That's... bottles are in the dishwasher. I don't dishwash mine. I'm not bold enough. <laughs> <laughs> More so with the screw tops, but every once in a while you look down and realize that there's like green or black mold just affecting every sip you take. <laughs> it's so gross. I know. Oh Ooh. my God. There have been water bottle casualties from that where I'm just like, there's no hope for this. It has to go. There have been casualties on our end too. I think I might just make Casey's a casualty and force him into the straw lid so that he has to share the burden of toddler sharing his water bottle. (laughs) I think that makes sense. Wow. I'm just really revealing so much about myself in my little petty bubble here. I feel like I'm still like newer in my relationship. So while we spent a lot of time together during COVID and gotten on each other's nerves, I, I don't have that that juice yet like it it accumulates over time and just gets juicier and juicier and I don't have that with this one yet that's very true it does I think it does take time to build up those gripes and those little ticks and things that you don't even know that exist in you that just make you feel really nuts and also maybe it's just that when you've been in it for so long it becomes you notice everything so much more Mm -hmm. I feel like me as a pet peeve or like the things that I'm doing lately as a pet peeve are I've developed this habit lately of spilling cups of water everywhere I will move my foot and suddenly I kick over a cup of water that's on the like coffee table but all the time I'm just kicking cups of water over and it's just it's to the point where that's a little ridiculous and almost just assumed that's gonna happen and (laughs) I think I think it's turning into a pet peeve of his I think you need sippy cups. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like a karate kick every time, too. It feels really dramatic. I, yeah. It's really, really funny. funny. Yeah. <laughs> Have you learned anything about yourself from your partner's pet peeves about you? Because I've learned a lot of habits that I have that I had no awareness of because of what drives my partner crazy. Mm. Oh, yes. Ever? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The biggest thing that I've ever learned, and this changed me, was when Casey and I were early dating and he got really mad at me for this really particular incident of my chronic lateness. I used to have chronic lateness problem, like to an extreme. I was that asshole friend that you would have to say, start 30 minutes earlier than it did because I would be habitually late. And I would tell you I was on my way, but really I was like sitting in my room still. That was me. And I'm not proud of it, but it's true. And I did something like, I was horrible. I was just super like awful about it. I was late for this thing, like meeting his friends for the first time. And he was really excited. And I just showed up, rolled in, didn't like, just was an asshole, like through and through. And he was so angry. And then when he actually explained why he was so angry and explained why it bothered him so much, I was like, wow, I am an asshole. And I understood it. And I am not late anymore. I am really not a late person. And if I'm late now, it's little bits at a time and I'm always apologetic and usually there's like a circumstance. So 
yeah, it's not that I was actually just sitting and neglecting to, to keep moving. That's a good one. This year, I think that I've recognized how clumsy I am and not just the water, not just kicking water over wherever I go, but I drop knives in the kitchen all the time. Like anytime I'm cooking, I drop a sharp knife onto the floor and Andrew will just turn around and glare at me because it happens so frequently at this point that I'm just like, shit. Yes, it happened again, but also there's no blood, there's no missing toes. So what's the big deal? And then another one is that I'll like trip or almost fall or almost knock something over and nothing. Okay. Usually nothing breaks, but it's, yeah, I've learned that about me is that I'm just kicking things, dropping things. Yeah, she's telling us she, she drops knives so that if any of our feet suddenly become stabbed, she can be like, well, I told you guys, I accidentally dropped knives. <laughs> it's all it's clear now. Alibi. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, you know, I wouldn't say I'm a super late person, but I did have this really bad behavior of if I was giving someone my ETA, I would give them someone meaning Nathan, but other people do. I would give them something that was not even remotely possible and be like, oh, I'm 20 minutes away. When in fact, I still had three trains to catch and a bridge to go across and then a one mile walk. Um, <laughs> I'd send this really optimistic, non-realistic ETA because I didn't want to upset someone by being like, oh, I'm actually an hour and a half away. But of course, it doesn't work that way. And then they just get mad. So I've learned to be much more honest about communicating when I'm going to show up somewhere or how long it's going to take me to get something done because it <laughs> doesn't do anyone any good to, to lie to them that way. When I know perfectly well, I will not be home in 20 minutes. Yeah. It's not necessarily a new realization, but I'm really bad at relaxing, which is so funny because I feel like as a yoga teacher, you're supposed to be a relaxation pro. But I have a theory that people that are drawn to instructing yoga and meditation and kind of healing modalities like that are often the people that need it the most. <laughs> and I feel like with the pandemic, being around my partner 24-7 and having those eyes on me all the time makes me realize how much I have somehow, and this is not a good thing, but tied my productivity to my self-worth and just am constantly trying to find things to do to justify the day. And it's funny because he is so good at relaxing he can happily spend an entire day on the couch drinking a beer going on a walk and I, I just I need to say I made something today or I did something today and my energy up against that energy has been 24 7 has been a a wake-up call <laughs> I yeah I'm not great at relaxing either it's funny now that I have less of that time to relax, I crave it more. Mm -hmm. So now that I always have to be on and getting things done, I feel like especially weekends, there's just no breaks. Oh my God, Sunday afternoon. I just kept dreaming about just staying put on my couch, but I was like, no, you have to go and do things with your child. And I was like, dragon ass, but yeah. 
Oh, yes, I know that feeling of having to drag yourself off the couch to be a parent. Sometimes, oh my gosh, I just fantasize about doing exactly what everyone else has been doing during lockdown, during the pandemic, which is lay on my couch and binge Netflix. I can't tell you how dreamy that sounds right now. All that said, bitching about 2020 is really fun. And I think it's actually this really amazing and powerful form of self-care. But I want to shift gears a little bit and hear what y'all are looking forward to in 2021. This is just a shameless plug again, but I just feel like we have really exciting things coming down the pipeline and surprisingly good energy coming out of a shockingly hard year. And I can't wait to keep putting it all into the world, which is so cheesy, but it's so true. Mm -hmm. I feel like while there is a lot of hopefulness in the air that might come from uh, a new year or an upcoming new year, it almost feels, this energy feels to me very much like taking back control in a way. And not in a sense that we can control everything that happens, because obviously that's ridiculous. But I think that we were stripped of a lot of things this year that made us feel unclear about the things that we can and can't control or gave us that time to assess that. And now this energy that I'm feeling is everybody being like, oh, these are the things that I need. This is something that I know will fill me up. Relating back to what Ruby said with all the fun things that we're doing, it's everyone's on board because they're like, oh yes, I know movement is something that I control. And I know it's something that like fulfills me and makes me a better person sometimes and, or whatever, like taking a teacher training, anything that's self-growth promoting and yeah, just feels good for you. That's what 21 feels like. It feels like this taking your power back kind of energy. Do you know what's so great about that? from both of you just now is that the thing I've been thinking about a lot about this year and the reflection of my own on myself is that I feel like I stand in the way a lot. And I'm not saying this because I want you guys to all, oh no, not at all. So don't, because that's not why I'm saying that. I know sometimes you say those things, you're like, it's like you're waiting for people to chime in and no. Um, I stand in the way a lot. And I think what actually this year has taught me is that I've had so many things that have just been 100% outside of control, to use that word, where I have learned to let go a lot more of the things that I'm so used to dipping my hands and toes and whole, whole body into at all times, like with full force. My time has been cut so much this year, just like in terms of hours that I have to spend on work and my outside activities. And I've had to let go of a lot of that because I just haven't had all of the same resources that I've had in years past. And we used to be able to rely on family members, mostly grandparents, to come when we had really busy work weeks and or vacations or whatever. Obviously, like most people haven't had that. And I think what that's really taught me is to let other people take control and or give everybody a little more space. And the beauty of it is that I think what's turned out has been the best thing. It's seeing everybody else on this team really step up in these like really magical, shiny ways. And so I'm so inspired by all of the growth. And I think in a lot of ways, it's because it like, I had to step away and, and it was all there and just, I just needed to like, be like, okay, 
run forth and go. And I trust, it's not about trust. It's just my own, it was like my own thing where I was like just standing in the way. And so I think it's really nice to be able to trust this awesome team and this community we've built and trust in like the process and the progress and to let go of it so that it can flourish and grow beyond my capabilities. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's been a lot that we've let go of in 2020. Um, and letting go of so many things has, I think, really opened up some exciting new space. And I've been really appreciating sort of the clarity that comes from all of that culling and winnowing and all of the energy that comes out of it too. Yeah. You wiped out your whole Instagram account. I did. I want to do it again. (laughs) It was amazing. (laughs) I can't, but I was really proud of you for doing that. And yeah, I think that, yeah, this whole year, I think everybody was talking about this inspiration that's come from like this year of just this kind of tumultuous, like uncertain year. And we all sought a little bit of clarity and focus. And then we worked together, I think, in the best way that we've ever all worked together and somewhat out of necessity, but also I think letting go for me, especially it was like, oh, look what all these good things can happen when you step away a little bit and let other people do what they can do. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Activist. We publish new conversations about topics related to fitness, health, and community every week. Please subscribe and review wherever you listen. And to join us for live workshops and movement classes, please visit flexandflow.org join.